This morning's first reading comes from Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 7 to 14, which can be found on page 791 of your Bibles and on the screens in front of you. That's Jeremiah, chapter 31, starting at verse 7. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will ransom Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord the grain, the new wine, and the oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then maidens will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's uh, Luke 2, verses 22 to 34. Ah, here we are. Well, I'm sure you agree. Most people, most of you, love babies. Love babies. Here, Jesus is very young baby still coming to the temple. But I'm sure his mother and father loved him and the angel loved him and the shepherds loved him and the kings when they arrived, which was probably two years later, they loved him. Even Groucho Marx loved him. He said, I love babies, but I can't eat a whole one. So, the reading. We are in the temple, Mary and Joseph, and they meet two very important people. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. 
He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law was, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that would be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everybody. Well, it's great pleasure always to come back to St. Jude's. Um, looking around, I, I somehow feel that I was here in a different era, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, you know. So much seems to have happened since then. Anyway, it's great to be with you. Let's just pray. Lord, as we meditate together on your word, we pray that you'll touch our hearts and move in our lives and transform us by the power of your Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I always think there's, from time to time, there are special moments in worship. And you may well look back on your, over the years, and say there were certain times here in St. Jude's which were very special, when God spoke in a special way, It would have been perhaps coming on a normal Sunday and yet receiving something very special. And I can't help feeling that when Joseph and Mary were going to the temple, they perhaps thought, well, this is something we have to do, you know? Something we do, part of the growing up process. But in fact, it would be a very special time. And I think it's something always in worship, 
that we need from time to time to pray for special times when God speaks to us, when God's word hits us, or the singing of a hymn perhaps will transport us, or the message of a sermon convict us, or prayers and words that can challenge us. Well, certainly when Mary and Joseph arrived, uh, if they had expectancy, it would have been fulfilled in a very special way. First of all, with the testimony of Simeon, then the reaction of Mary herself, and then the testimony of old Anna. So let's look at the testimony of Simeon first. I doubt very much whether Mary would have known him. Uh, perhaps some of you, your mothers here, could imagine if an old man who you never knew just came up and took your little bundle from you. Just imagine. And yet, he had been promised, as a righteous and godly man, that he would see the consolation of Israel. That's a lovely word, actually, because what it means is all the hopes and dreams of the Jewish people was centered on the Messiah. And they knew he would bring the comfort that Isaiah spoke about in Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people. They were longing for God's embrace. Longing for his embrace. And the Messiah would bring that embrace. And so... Old Simeon, one day, because God had promised, felt an urge to go to the temple. Perhaps we have urges now and again to worship or to pray. He had this urge, and he went to the temple. Now, whether he arrived at the simultaneous moment as Joseph and Mary brought Jesus in, or whether he came into the temple... As our scripture union notes recently said, watching the little boys being brought forward. Finally, Jesus was brought and God spoke and said, there's the one. Now, if you saw a you know, load of little baby boys in prams all waiting to, for this special moment, you wouldn't have easily discerned Jesus from all the rest of them. But somehow... Because of the eye of faith, Simeon saw something that the unbeliever could never see. He had no difficulty identifying Jesus clearly. Just as I believe, we should have no difficulty, everybody, in recognizing the Bible as God's word. We should be able to say this is his word. Well, he recognized him. He hadn't seen a photo or anything. He recognized him because he knew that little bundle was God's answer to the Jewish people. God's embrace to the Jewish people. And you know, there is a distinction between those who know Jesus, those who are born again and who recognize, and those who don't. It comes out clearly all through Jesus' ministry because you find in Caesarea Philippi when Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, who do men say that I am? 
And they said, well, uh, we've heard that uh, some people think you're John the Baptist and some people think you're Jeremiah, the old prophet. Interesting that he should have been identified with Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Some think you're identified with this prophet or that prophet. And then Jesus said, but who do you say? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, it was the eye of faith. God revealed it to him. It's the eye of faith which makes all the difference. That's why those of us who name the name of Christ recognize who he is. And that's why the new atheists don't recognize who he is. Because there is no eye of faith. So Simeon took this little bundle in his arms and he said, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. I love those words. We used to sing them regularly, didn't we? Us old fogies who used to sing the old evening prayer. Wonderful words. He acknowledged God's promise that Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus, God promised Simeon that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. Lovely thought that George Whitfield reminds us all those years ago. He said, we're immortal until our work is done. Old Simeon was immortal until he saw that baby. Then he could say those words. Amazing, isn't it? Staring at a little bundle in his arms. Just a tiny little bundle. And saying, this is God's salvation. My eyes have seen it. Looking at this little bundle. In his arms. And it's important to remember that that little bundle in his arms is the exact answer for every man and woman in every nation and in every generation. He is the answer. It is quite literally a one-size-fits-all. He's exactly the answer to my needs and to your needs. He would be not only a blessing to Israel, but the whole world. And old Simeon saw it. He saw it. So there's old Simeon's wonderful testimony. Then we have Mary's reaction. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Well, not surprising, is it? I mean, they'd heard, Mary'd heard from when the birth was announced. And then it was corroborated by old Simeon in a most remarkable way. So the coming into the temple, which could perhaps to, to Mary and Joseph have been just an ordinary moment, was in fact an incredible time as she heard these words. And she took them in. But you know, there was also a serious warning from Simeon he blessed them. He turned to Mary and Joseph. He said, this child is destined to cause the fall 
and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And it was true. And that division has happened in Jesus' day and in every generation since. There is a division between those who know God and those who don't. And then he said to Mary, he turned to her, those very, very key words, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That was quite a staggering remark, and it must have, Mary must have taken it with her into the years that lay ahead. A soul will pierce my own soul. A sword will pierce my own soul. She must have given that a great deal of thought. It must have been just a little bit troubling. She knew what all the old prophets of Israel and the Old Testament had, had to face. She knew. And she must have been wondering what her son would have to face in the future. Well, of course, we all know. One day, on Calvary Hill, she saw her own son totally rejected, hated, despised by the Jewish hierarchy, abandoned by the disciples, rejected by the crowds, bleeding and hanging on a tree in terrible agony. Then it all came back, of course. A sword will pierce your own soul. Brothers and sisters, you know, we need to keep in perspective that there is a cost side to the Christian walk. And our generation has not always been willing to pay it. We have been an incredibly comfortable generation, particularly those of us who live in the West. When I look back, I was 11 years in Brussels and uh, we went one day to Vilvoorde to see the place where Tyndale was burnt at the stake. And the very Bible you hold in your hands is very much the work of Tyndale. He paid the price. How can we not read the Bible and act on it when we remember that there are many, not just Tyndale, who gave their lives so you and I could have it? Or you take Cranmer, who gave us the prayer book. He went to the stake too. And you think of many others who gave us the liberation, the freedom that we have today in this country to worship. And beware, there are plenty of baddies around who want to destroy it. Beware. This country is not where it was even when I was here 40-odd years ago. There are bad people around seeking to undermine and destroy our Christian heritage in this place. Be challenged by it. So we, who belong to this generation, owe it to the next generation to make sure we don't hand on a spiritual dog's breakfast. 
I'm acutely aware of it. What are my children going to face in the next generation? What are my grandchildren going to face in the next generation? What's going to happen in a very uncertain and godless world? And a godless nation, don't, be, don't undermine it. This nation we live in is godless. We're thankful for our laws that are still based in some measure on Christian basis. But fundamentally, we are a godless nation. And godlessness leads to all kinds of terrible things. If you look at Israel of old, whenever she was godless, she fell into terrible traps, every form of wickedness. But when she was godly, God came to her rescue. All of us need to be challenged on this new year. We don't know what 2015 will bring forth. Looking back on 2014, some very nasty things happened. Plagues like Ebola. Unspeakable evil regimes like ISIS. We didn't see a year ago. What are we going to see this year? So there's the challenge. We need to remember <clears throat> when Mary had that word from old Simeon, a sword will pierce your own soul. It's a willingness to face up to the downside, if you like, of being a Christian. Jesus said, all the blessings that will come to us with persecutions. So we look at Simeon's testimony, we look at Mary's reaction and what he gave her, all the blessings but with the sword as well. And then finally we look at the testimony of Anna coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. <clears throat> well, first of all, what an amazing old lady. Just an ordinary person widowed for years, lined with age, living no doubt meagerly, probably ignored by the priests because she would have been just an ordinary person without influence or standing, but she had the eye of faith. Many of those priests did not. She walked with God. Many of those priests did not. She recognized the Lord's Messiah. Most of them did not. Oh, you can be in the clergy, I tell you. Let me tell you. You can be in the clergy, but some of them have missed it. Spend all their years, usually become depressed as they get older. But there are plenty who've missed it. Yep. Just as it was in Jesus' day, so it is in our own. But thinking about old ladies, some of them are my heroes, you know, old ladies. <laughs> <laughs>
And uh, when I grew up in Christchurch, Beckenham, which is not that far from here, we had old ladies who were praying. How I thank God for old ladies. How they prayed for us. When I started a training for ministry at London College of Divinity, six of us started at the same time, starting to train for the ministry from one church. Six. And I'm sure that not a little of it was due to these old ladies praying for us regularly, constantly. Now, there, many of them were some of the, the spinsters from the First World War. We had them here when I was here uh, yonks ago. Just the last vestiges of the old ladies who never married because of that red, dreadful war we've been thinking about, but who were godly and righteous. And we need to be challenged by them. Many of you will remember Joan Petter. Well, I would parallel her with old Anna. She was an outstanding person, godly woman. She had many children who were the girls of the pathfinders of my day, and before and after. And we need to take a page out of their books and recognize that God is calling us to be like old Anna. There she was. Nobody took a blind bit of notice of her. Oh, there's old Anna. You know, the priests would have probably were going by in their robes. Took not a blind bit of notice of her. They might not have even acknowledged her. But she was one of the giants of the faith, you see. And they were forgotten, lost, gone. Nobody knows anything about them today. But Anna, when you get to heaven, Lord, I want to meet Anna. I want to meet old Simeon. All these godly people. So I want to, <coughs> I want to, to challenge you. Because, you know, I believe that every church, every church needs an Anna, and it needs a Simeon, and it needs a faith like Mary's. The willingness of Mary, you know, to take on board what she had to do. The godliness of old Simeon and the faithfulness of old Anna. Praying people, godly people, righteous people. People set apart for the gospel of Christ. People who recognize who Jesus really is. So, everybody, as I close, are you challenged by Mary? Her willingness to fill, fulfill God's purposes in her life. Are you challenged by old Simeon? His walk with God and recognition of the child Jesus? Are you challenged by old Anna with her simple lifestyle? and whose priorities we should emulate as she longed for the redemption of Jerusalem. That means to see it liberated from all this churchy stuff.
all this, these legal different things that they'd all brought in and ruined everything, ruined the worship a lot. Money and everything else all got caught up in it. She longed for the liberation, you see, of Jerusalem. She longed for it. And we need to long for the liberation of the church, to free the church in this country, to make it free again, worshipping God in spirit and in truth, and beginning to see a change in the whole nation. So godless at the moment. We should be challenged in 2015 to see new things, greater things, God working again in our nation, in our land, in our church, and transforming it by the power of Christ and being willing to say, God, here I am, you see. Here I am. I'll be an Anna or I'll be a Simeon or I'll be a Mary or all three. And bring about a change in South Sea. This church is responsible for South Sea. It's responsible. Make sure you execute that responsibility. May God help us all to be the men and women God is calling us to be. Amen.